Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Space Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hi, so welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. And this week, Nate Regeer joins us. I'm suspecting from our initial conversation, Nate's going to be over the pond somewhere, somewhere glorious, somewhere exotic, somewhere with a hint of magic and amazement. So, Nate, where are you from? Well, I guess the <clears throat> I am from Kansas, America, and most people from the U.S. say this is a flyover state. They've only flown over, over it, but you know we have the magic here of Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. <clears throat> Although this is not uh, the season for tornadoes we certainly do have a glorious sunny day outside it's always fascinating to um to chat to people from the states because um you forget how big the country is and the fact that you always put your state as well as the city that you're on mm -hmm. because i didn't realize how many of the same places all have the same names it's almost as if someone ran out of names and they were when they were wandering around america let's just have another one of those then or something it's, it's really interesting but you were telling me you were brought up in botswana so tell me mm -hmm. what's all that about well i'm originally from the midwest united states here my parents were farming families but they decided to become missionaries in africa oh. <clears throat> starting in the early 70s yeah. or late 60s early 70s and so i spent my early childhood in zaire which is now the democratic republic of congo yeah. and then high school i went to high school in botswana during the 1980s during apartheid when um uh, nelson mandela was still in prison yeah i mean you know what what's the effect of that sort of upbringing on a on an american you know, I, I have a lot in common with military kids that have traveled around and had to just adapt and get used to different cultures. I, I suppose I have a, a greater appreciation for different cultures and also for living outside of America as an American, I have a different perspective on <clears throat> oh, what it's like to be in the United States, what our, what our role is around the world over the last 30 or 40 years. Um, and I suppose that was probably where the, the seeds of my passion for compassion were sown, mm. being around, around those kinds of environments. Mm. Uh, and, and, well, talk to me a bit more about that. So, so you think compassion has seeds in the sense that it's something that you build and grow in, in that sense? Or is it, is it not just innate? Mm. That's a great question. Does compassion have seeds? Um, I... 
for the last few years, I've really been struggling with the traditional definitions and stereotypes of compassion. We have these magnanimous role models like Gandhi or Mother Teresa or these people that are, are just seem to live the perfect selfless life and serve everyone all the time and never are upset. But compassion is way more than just empathy. And my heart goes out to you and, and maybe I want to go alleviate suffering somewhere. The, um, I've done some studying and their origin of the root compassion actually comes from the Latin meaning to suffer with not to alleviate suffering, not to just have empathy. It's really a very active engagement with people through the struggle. And the seeds were probably planted watching my parents in rural African cultures struggle with people in a spirit of dignity, not coming in as those with the answers or we're gonna, you know, the, the, the white people coming in to fix your problems. It was really a joining in the suffering in a spirit of dignity. And, and I think that, that kind of set did plant some seeds for me. Interesting. So if you're suffering with, is, is that a practical thing or is it, is, I mean, what's the value of suffering with rather than em empathy, for example? I would probably say struggle is a better word than suffer. Oh, I sorry. Suffer yes, with. I, I wrote down struggle and then said suffering. So yeah, probably the, 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 the literal Latin root is suffer with, but struggle, I, I really like struggle because struggle means we're working at this. It's not easy. And um, I, don't, I don't think that the goal of relationships is for everything to be easy. The goal of our existence is to create amazing. And I've been around so much conflict in my life, so much different types of conflict. And one of the things that I have come to believe is that conflict is a natural, out, a natural product of diversity. I that totally agree because we're different, of course, there's going to be conflict. So conflict can't be bad by nature. And so it must have a purpose. Isn't, and so I've been... Isn't it arguable that actually the actual measure of diversity is conflict? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And so if that's the case, then conflict is simply the energy that is generated from this, from this diversity. Mm. And as humans, then we have choices and we have opportunities, is how will we spend that energy? What will we do with it? Yeah. And I've seen so many examples in my life of that energy being used destructively in what we call drama. Um, and so my passion and mission has been, how can we, what does it take to use that conflict to create? And that's how I happened upon compassion. Yes, so um, I, mean, I mean, I'm familiar with the drama thing, but why don't we just unpack that a little bit? <clears throat> Yeah, drama is something most people can feel in their gut. We, we, we all use the word, we throw it around, oh, there's so much drama at school, or our family had so much drama during the reunion, or there's drama on TV, and, and we're not talking about stage drama, we're talking about that conflict, destructive pit in your stomach type of conflict. And a great theorist and psychiatrist by the name of Stephen Cartman actually created a model to, to understand drama. And it's really just the roles people play when we're sideways with each other in conflict. And the three roles are, are pretty basic. One role is the persecutor, which goes on the attack. The victim takes the one down position. And then the rescuer thinks that they have the solution to everyone's problems. Mm. And so, you know, the persecutor says, you're the problem. The victim says, yeah, I'm the problem. And the rescuer says, hey, I'm the solution, everyone. Right. And when you have people playing those roles, the drama goes and goes and goes and it just feeds off of each other and distracts so much energy from our best laid plans yeah 
And it's fascinating, isn't it? Because it's, it's such a natural cycle when you see that, that drama triangle playing out. You see it in every relationship, really, don't we? It's almost as if uh, there's a sort of uh, multi-boundary, a multi-country human condition that creates that. It's almost as if you have two people in the room. You know, we always find it, you always find the other person arriving sooner or later, don't we? It, it's, also, oh, yeah. it's also true that, you know, victims need pursuers and pursuers need victims and arguably neither party needs the rescuer because they're having a lovely time without them, I suppose. Well, actually they all need each other. That's how the drama triangle maintains because the victim needs the persecutor to attack them and the victim also needs the rescuer to save them. And the rescuer needs victims to save and the persecutor needs victims to attack. So everybody needs each other and and so I like to say, you know, nature hates a vacuum and neither does, and the same with drama. Um, and it's the same with dogs. <laughs> I was just, just came back from Thanksgiving relationship. We had four dogs in the house and whenever there was two dogs or four dogs, it was fine. But yeah. when there was three dogs, trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> and it's fascinating, isn't it? Absolutely fascinating when you think about that. And it's, it's really at the, at the root of a lot of therapeutic work. So um, mm. we sort of started at a funny place here, but let's, let's go to the sort of traditional place. So, so, so tell everybody what it is you do. Oh, yeah, that. Um, <laughs> you know, that thing. <laughs> I'm a recovering psychologist. That's what I tell people. I'm in recovery uh-huh. because the, the half-life of knowledge in my field is so short and, yeah. and things are changing constantly. And I was trained in clinic, classically trained in clinical psychology and practice therapy and addictions treatment and neuropsychology for many years. But I, I just don't think I was suited for that as a lifelong career. I don't have the patience. I don't know that I even have the empathy yeah. to, to be in the presence of that suffering in, in a healthy way over and over and over every day. I really like dynamic types of things where it's a little bit more unpredictable. Coaching, consulting, training, yeah. um, writing, I enjoy that. So I started Next Element in 2008 with some partners. And our goal was to take what we had learned in the social, social sciences and apply that in the corporate world. And so we have been developing leadership and communication training uh, and coaching programs since since 2008. Brilliant. And of course, it's sort of a it's sort of a well trodden path, isn't it? And you know, people have. Well, and some come say it's a it's a you know well trodden money path as well because actually it seems to be unsolvable. So it's it's a glorious <clears throat> place, to, a journey to be on because no one's ever going to figure yeah. figure this leadership thing out. So what's what's your take on it? I'm guessing something to do with compassion, perhaps. I've never heard that question before. Thank you. Because I have a bone to pick with consultants because I think so many consultants in this field make a living off of playing the rescuer role in the drama triangle. Mm. We come in as if we know what's wrong. We can tell you what to do. We've got the solutions. We give you this sage advice, charge you lots of money for it. And then if it doesn't work, it's your fault because you didn't follow the instructions right. And it's a setup for two things. It's a setup for failure, but it's also a setup for dependence. And that's one thing we committed when we started our company is we will not engage in relationships that create dependence. Our goal always is to build capability, to build self-confidence, to build independence. And we felt like the better we do at that, the more that word of mouth uh, would travel. 
And that the more you have to sing your praises, maybe the less effective you are at your work. Yeah. So we've, we decided to do great work, build capability and confidence, work ourselves out of a job, and that maybe would, would serve us well, and it has. That's interesting. And I think I really, normally I like to argue with people, but sadly you're saying things I agree with, so I'm not going to artificially argue, <laughs> is that really pointless? But, but it's true, isn't it? This, this dependency, I always think that every client relationship has a sort of a, a natural life, uh, even a half-life, you might argue, yeah. that, um, you know, that after a while they get tired of you, you get tired of them. And the, and the I, remember, I remember years ago, someone saying to me on a corporate um, leadership program, when, when graduates first arrive in the company, the first thing we ask them at their, their induction is, when are you going to be leaving? Mm. And I think it's a great thing for a consultant to ask themselves, you know, at what point do I exit this relationship? Yeah. I mean, it, it makes you yeah. um, more interested whilst you're in it, but also realizing yeah. that you have the power to walk away and that they have the power to be freed from you is, yeah. is actually ultimately really liberating. And you see so many consultants just almost treating clients as their next holiday or next lunch. It's, it's a challenge, isn't it? So I, I love that concept. I think it's, yeah. I mean, you talk about authenticity and I just think it's part of authenticity in a way, isn't it? Yeah, I would agree. And we, many consultants need to be needed and they definitely have a wealth of knowledge. They have a lot of experience. They certainly know things about a lot of companies in the industry, but they work to be needed rather than to be effective. And yeah. even in therapy, one of the, you know, my mentors used to tell me if your job is not to create dependence, your job is to internalize yourself in the patient where they can take take what you want to offer, but it can be with them the rest of the time. And so even in our corporate work, then after about four or five years, we were too busy doing direct services. And we thought, okay, how can we start building capability within our clients that can extend beyond us? And that's when we developed certification programs and ways that we could impart that knowledge and capability within the company so they could carry on without us and we could play a different role. I think that's brilliant. And I think the certification thing is brilliant as well because, I mean, it is a revenue um, gift for you, but it also is that tangible, tangible proof of concept, isn't it? That actually people have um, taken the time, time and the effort and such like. And so, and so what's your take on leadership? What's your stance on it? Uh, I mean, mm. Obviously the rescuing thing, sure. you've mentioned that a few times. Where's your, what's your position? Uh, we formally defined leadership for the first time in my new book, Seeing People Through. And we define leadership as the, the practice of leveraging diversity towards shared goals. Right. Leveraging diversity towards shared goals. So you were commenting earlier that the conflict may even be a measure of diversity. And, and we know that diversity is, is necessary for the universe to function well. the grist for the mill that offers you the kinds of perspectives that you need. And in our increasingly global, diverse world, this is really an asset to be leveraged. So leadership is about cultivating the skill set to be able to deal with all this diversity and get it all rowing in the same direction mm -hmm. towards the shared goals. That's really interesting. So it, so I might say that, that in, that in means communication skills, conflict skills. Those are two of the most critical leadership competencies is to, is to navigate and negotiate conflict and to be able to communicate with agility across differences. So that's interesting. You see it as a, in a sense, a practical skill set mm -hmm. 
rather than some sort of esoteric, you know, we're sort of scanning the horizon and peering into the future and such like. And I guess you're talking about leadership with a small L as well. You don't have to lead the whole organization. This is leadership at any level, I'm guessing you're talking about. Well, I, I think you're right. The, the ability to envision a future and, and cast your sights on that, that is a cultivated skill as well. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it's something that I've really needed to embrace more during COVID with my team is that I'm much more of a, I'm much more of a technician. I'm much more of a strategist and I'm much more of a problem solver than I am a visionary. And yet it, not everyone can clearly see a path. And when you can, I think it, that's not enough. You have to be able to translate that plan in ways that people can understand. You have to be able to articulate that plan. So it means something to people and connect it to people. So, even I would agree that visioning is critical. It still comes down to the communication to translate it, the conflict necessary to get it done. Yeah. And it's, it's an interesting dilemma with leadership though, isn't it? Because you can have the best vision, the best objectives, the best strategies, but if you can't get the human element, the human capital together, you know, you're, you're not going to go anywhere. Um, and, and, the, and the opposite is also true. You can have the world's greatest team heading in the wrong direction, you know, over the precipice together. Yeah, and, and together, guess, all yeah. feeling good about each yeah, other. Yeah, exactly. All having a lovely time and no conflict. And someone yep. needs to say, "Hang on, are we?" I just, just I wonder. You know, because someone seems to have nicked the ground. You know, where's that gone? Sort of thing. And I think it is. It's this. It's this yin and yang, isn't it? Which I like towards it. And so, you've also written a book. You mentioned that in passing. You know, you just sort mm. of skated around that. But I'm, I'm yeah. also intrigued in people who've <clears> written books. So, come on, un- unpack that a little bit. What was okay. the motivation for that? Well. <sighs> there's a bit of a history. My very first book is called Beyond Drama, Transcending Energy Vampires. And it was written with a co-founding owner of mine, Jeff King. And it was all about unpacking drama. What does it look like? How is it predictable? This is not some amorphous thing that we just have to feel in our gut. It's tangible. You can see it. You can get a handle on it. The second book was called Conflict Without Casualties. And that was based on a discovery that compassion is the antidote to drama. And so we laid out our whole framework for basically what we've been talking about, about how we view conflict, how compassion in our, in our framework called the compassion cycle. But the third book, Seeing People Through, is all about communication through personality differences because we, we've been teaching a lot around personality differences and have really come to appreciate how significant personality is in how people lead, how they want to be led, how they do conflict, how they communicate. You've got it right there. Um, and so- Which model of we'll, personality do you use? We use the process communication model. Okay. Um, it's not very well known, but it, it, was, it was developed um, and validated at NASA for selection and training of astronauts and has been used um, for about 40 years. But what we, we really saw a big gap between knowing about personality and doing something about it. Mm-hmm. And we just couldn't find companies who actually were adapting everything from communication to motivation systems, to structures, to how they, how they do talent development that actually puts into action the knowledge and awareness they have about personality diversity. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of our new, that, that's our, I would say that's my, um, what I'm standing on for 2021 is raising awareness about personality, diversity, and inclusion. That's what the book is about. So if I'm reading this book, am I reading an academic tome with um, lots of uh, you know, huge theoretical um, jargon, or am I reading something practical that's actually useful? 
Sorry, well, I have a I'm feeling reading something practical. <laughs> I have a feeling you could digest and apply either one. Good. But no, this is an absolutely practical guide. There Great. are a lot of books have been written about the process communication model. Mm-hmm. This one is written as a fable. It's written from first person dialogue about real people struggling through the ups and downs. So it is really a fable written in the, in the style of kind of the hero's journey. Great. Um, and there's a guide and the people make mistakes and we learn about ourselves and the reader learns about themselves along the way as well. Yeah. And, and, and what you're saying is really important there because making mistakes, resilience and bouncing back and all those things are an inherent part of conflict communication and, you know, the, the, the journey of any, yeah. any leader, isn't it? You know, if you, I mean, some, some mistakes are career ending or career limiting, but actually without any mistakes, you've not achieved anything at all. And you certainly won't get the conflict yeah. that you're talking about, will you? Well, I'm glad you brought up the issue of mistakes because I think how mistakes are handled is a huge leadership aspect of leadership. And the best leaders are what we call coping models, not expert models. Coping models are people who have fallen down and gotten up, have learned from their mistakes and are willing to talk about that and are willing to be vulnerable and candid about their imperfections Mm. because that makes them relatable and that makes them someone you could actually strive to be like. Um, Expert role models who always have it right and never have a, and are always perfect are, are, they're not worth following. They don't have a lot to offer the rest of us mere mortals (laughs) who are struggling every day. You can't struggle with if you're not struggling. Um, And so, so yeah, that's big. And um, I like that now because, because that implies if you're struggling and you're being candid and coping that you're learning as well. And that's, Really, I like that definition between your coping and expert because in a lot of organizations, it's almost as if the people at the top of it, especially the large organizations, are the, are the least competent. I think um, there was a brilliant yep. book written years and years, <laughs> years ago, which the best thing about it was the title, which was The Fish Rots from the Head. And it's, it's, a, I mean, it's an awful book, but I mean, it's a brilliant yeah. title. And, and you just see this time after time again, you know, we work with um, the boards and such like, and they're the least developed yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. And, they're, and they're sort of managing or leading a mm-hmm. group of people who are, you know, all actively more skilled, competent, aware, uh, capable of actually having potential utilized. And, and the sort of the inherent culture of the organization represented by leadership just holds people back. So I think that struggling with is, is a very powerful root idea isn't it it's absolutely root and you know since you brought up top leadership and what happens is people go up we do uh, we offer a free weekly webinar series 30 minutes every week it's just one little practical tip on compassionate leadership and tomorrow our topic is called engagement 101 for new leaders but the subtitle says going from master of tasks to mover of people And that's what the Peter principle is all about is we promote people to their level of incompetence, but the incompetence is not around the technical expertise. It's around the people skills and the interaction skills necessary to lead people. And so, yeah, it's unfortunate sometimes as we go higher up in organizations, we find actually less sophisticated people skills. Um, So it's the differentiator. But you see, uh, what I really admire about what you're doing is you're sort of, re- you're, you're redefining. And I think we're in a modern world that has a need for new solutions. And there's so many of the, lead, you know, the current crop of leadership books are just regurgitating the same old tired management lessons from the 60s and 70s, which, and there's nothing the matter with them. I mean, you know, 
those guys were great, but this is a really different world in 2020. I mean, yeah. and maybe 2021 actually. Yeah. And, and I, I just get the sense that we've got to reimagine some of these ideas. We've got to kick some, we've got to kick over the traces somewhat. Yep. Otherwise we're just going to yep. get what we've always had. Yeah. Well, and the, we've fallen into a lot of leadership lore or leadership wisdom that was maybe perpetuated in the seventies, eighties. Yeah. And it, it Maybe it was good at the time, maybe it wasn't, but it's no longer relevant. And there are things that really have to be challenged. And my book, Seeing People Through, will seriously challenge. There are some, some significant concepts that I turn completely upside down, like honesty. Um, I suggest that most leaders are not honest and, and then explain what I mean by that. Or, or the authenticity is that unless we are agile, we are not truly authentic. But most people think that being agile means you're not being true to yourself. And so we have some real dilemmas here about yeah. what it means to be effective as a leader. Um, and personality. Personality is not an entitlement program. It's, yeah. it's time to stop hiding behind our personalities and start stepping up and taking personal responsibility for who yeah. we are and how we're built. Yeah, I like I love that, and I I think the whole um, sterile debate around authenticity is just something we should kick into touch. I mean, it's just such a myth, and yeah. and I regularly lock horns on the lead, on the accountability side of leadership, but it's just tiresome, you know, that we're still, yeah. you know, peddling this authenticity myth, and um, you know, this is the thing we need to be we need to be fresh and new for a new organisation. You know, we need to be thinking in a sort of yep. very agile. Well, you use the word agile. I don't mean agile in that sense. I think. It's interesting when you, I'm a trustee of a charity and I, and I bump into quite a lot of younger people and very diverse people and, you know, in a very different sort of world. And they just think, they're thinking totally differently. And, you know, every challenge from the language you use to the way they think to the way they're communicating, this is your saying, it's, it's radically different. Uh, I mean, the, the English language is breaking apart. Yeah. I mean, you, and, you know, we can sit there like King Canute on the side of the ocean, you know, on our glorious chain of things waiting for the, the tide to roll in, but we're just going to get really wet if we just don't get a grip. And as people, maybe I should say at my age rather than yours, you know, we, we have got to get, we've got to do what we, we can, which is to impart some fresh, fresh wisdom in this, in this place. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I mean, what's the point of us really? Because yeah. I think, you know, too many leadership consultants are just, are just making noise, which is what you were saying earlier, really. I love that concept of making yourself, you know, um, superfluous i think that's a, it's a really interesting place from which to start yeah yeah so tell me how i can get hold of this book because it sounds like a book i'm definitely adding to my oh. to my pile and um you know i'm looking forward to that so is, is it out already yeah it is out it came out in august and yeah. the book is called seeing people through unleash your leadership potential with the process communication model yeah and it's for if you're a seasoned leader and you're realizing that it's interaction people skills that are holding you back this book is for you Brilliant. if you're a brand new leader that has just been promoted and want to understand how to leverage diversity this book is for you um, if you're a whole organization who realizes that we must include all types in the workplace and you're ready to truly close the knowing doing gap between personality and inclusion, this book is an awesome roadmap. Um, and if you want to learn about a model of individual differences that is truly behavioral focused and focused on actual communication skills, um, and it doesn't put people into boxes, this, uh, the process communication model will really come alive for you with this book. 
Well, um, and, and where can I get it, Nate? Where, where's the good Amazon, you can get it on Amazon and seeingpeoplethrough.com is the website, webpage for the book. And there's all kinds of resources there, seeingpeoplethrough.com, or you can look it up on Amazon. And actually, right, uh, I believe between December 7 and 15, we are offering a, I think our publisher is offering 40% off on the book. So through go straight site. to the publisher through our site. Mm-hmm. On, um, on I don't know when free, this will seeing people through.com seeing people through.com. Yeah. Because it's an expensive book. Blimey. It's obviously, I know. Right. Wow. I know. Look at you. Mr. Yeah. Talk to my publisher about I that. Know. I didn't set the price. Um, but with 40% expecting... off, <laughs> with 40% off, it becomes almost like every other book on this shelf. It can so... never be like any other book, but um, <laughs> you know, that, that, from what you've said so far. So excellent. 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 I really, really, really find that very, um, you know, actually quite inspirational. And I love the fact that you've got, um, I love the fact that on your reviews, they're nearly all five star, apart from one that's two star. And I always think <laughs> the best books have that sort of um, um, polarity of reaction. Yeah, it's not for everyone. We're not trying to Good. make lots of friends. Um, yeah, I, I have to that. go read that. What does that two star review say? Oh, it probably says something like, uh, I don't like the color, what are they, the color of the jacket or something, you know, that sort of, sort of thing. It's usually that thing. Oh, they've been that very, very bravely story. not left a comment. But um, there you go. What can you say? That's all right. <laughs> seeing people through at least your leadership potential. I love it. I love it. And your website again was uh, seeingpeoplethrough.com. Um, are you on all the social medias, the Twitters yep. and the Facebookies and all that sort of yep. nonsense? Excellent. You can look at, see up, up there, you can find Nate, Nate Regeer on Amazon and see all the books that I've written. And Yeah. Yeah. And what I'd love to do, if you're okay with this, I'd love to read the book and then maybe reach out if we've got any questions and um, would love know, see, where that, see where that would take us. Because this is on my list. In fact, if that, that noise is the noise of um, Amazon loading it onto my Kindle as we speak. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. And if you read the book, we sure love a review. Getting re- people to review on Amazon is not easy. No, it's not. Good. All right. Brilliant. Well, it's been a joy to talk to you. It's really lovely to talk. To I wanted to really have a big argument with you tonight, but you know, sometimes it's just such annoying when I just agree with what you're saying, because you're saying something different. <laughs> and I, I look, you know, we, I meet such a lot of consultants who are sort of got this sort of lazy, you know, let's just churn out the same old nonsense, but just call it a new word. Um, but you know, I really love the way you, you've rethought some of these ideas and brought some new ideas to the frame. I, look, I actually genuinely mean that as well. I don't, you know, sometimes I say that I don't mean it, but I genuinely do tonight. That's well, I appreciate that. You know, you could always um, tell me something provocative. Maybe I'll disagree with you. I don't know. Oh yeah. Well, we could, <laughs> but sadly, <laughs> another time. Yeah. Nate, it's been an absolute joy. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. My pleasure. Take care. Hi, everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed. And if you're in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcasts for show notes or follow the links and you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers tools and resources including free articles and ebooks for those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively you can find our new patreon page at patreon.com then search for resilience unraveled 
I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.